Welcome to The Friday Habit with Mark Labriola and Benjamin Manley. The Friday Habit is for small business owners, freelancers, and creatives who are ready to take their business to the next level. Join us as we discover how to apply the strategies we learn to grow our businesses, make more money, and live every day like it's Friday. And welcome to The Friday Habit. Another beautiful day, wherever you are, however you're experiencing it. If it's cold, if it's gloomy, it still can be beautiful. It's however you see it. So, hey, I'm excited for today's show. Today, Ben is not here with me, but he's here with me in spirit. But uh, today, we have Andre Dantzler uh, from Socially You. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, sir. So excited to be here. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I was kind of getting into this before we started the show, but I found you because we recently um, uh, purchased some Ultimats and I was on YouTube, like trying to figure out like how to use these things. And it, it's funny because I feel like broadcast is a completely different language. And I've been doing this for 15 years and I have a lot of in, intuity and like, I, I just can read things maybe quickly and understand how to get from A to B. But when we're messing with this stuff, it's like a completely different language. It's like I speak Chinese and it's in Japanese and I'm like, it kind of looks the same, but it's completely different, you know? And so I was looking on YouTube and I came across your channel and was super helpful. Thank you so much. We were able to fix a lot of our our things with some of your tutorial videos there. And, uh, and then I kind of started hearing some of your story about, um, you know, your business and, and the things that you do. And I thought, you know what, this guy probably has a lot of knowledge uh, and insight on running a business and growing a business and would be a great guest for our listeners to hear from. So uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So thanks so much for being here. Um, well, listen, I would love to just kind of hear a little bit about your origin story, kind of, you know, where you started sure. and how you got into the creative industry um, and then what that's looked like over the past year. So, um, and, you know, this is funny because I was, I just got back from Nashville last night and I thought to myself, dude, I should text him or reach out and be like, let me pop by your guys' studio totally. and say hi. Cause I'm sure Chattanooga is not too far from Nashville. Two hours south. Yeah. yeah. I know I was, I was too busy and I couldn't make it, but next time I'll try to hit next you time. up and come, by uh, anytime. come visit. So, so yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of. Um, have you always been a creative? Have you, um, always had dreams of kind of running your own thing or did you work in the corporate world? Like that's a bunch of, that's a bunch (laughs) of different questions there. Let's see where to begin, Mark. Well, you were a small boy and (laughs) I was born one day. (laughs) Um, yeah, let me do the fast version. And then if any of those peak interest, I'll, so, uh, I'm actually retired from an, government agency called TVA, Tennessee Valley Authority. I was their head of like instructional training for IT, okay. the IT side. So I'm a nerd. I've been a nerd my whole life. I left that and I went into politics and I thought, this is how I'm going to change the world. So I ran the data center for the RNC. So for, on the Republican side, we built all their technology infrastructure for them. Uh, nationally ran that at the end of George W. Bush uh, of his tenure and then when Senator McCain was running for president. And this is when like things like 
live streaming a video was really hard uh, mm-hmm. to do then. And so we built some cool tech uh, to do that. It's so hilarious how expensive that is versus now what you could do with your <laughs> right. iPhone. Um, and so did that for a bit. Turns out politics is terrible too. Um, and so I'm like, oh, that's not the answer either. I did a short stint at a nonprofit and then I realized I think the best thing I can do is just do it myself. You know, mm-hmm. I think I can make the biggest difference if I just have direct uh, access that way. So I uh, started my own company and um, did a variety of tech things. I'm a nerd. So I did mm-hmm. a bunch of nerd things. And in the process of doing those nerd things, um, uh, built a learning platform and was fairly successful with that. And then uh, exited out of that and have a communications software communications platform. And um, that's going really great. COVID comes along and dear software team, um, good news, we can all work from home. So go work from home and that'll help flatten the curve. And then it was like, oh, it's just two weeks and you'll be right back. <laughs> oh no, they're never coming back, are they? And um, two weeks turns into three weeks and it's like, oh, we'll sure. turn up in the fall. And then it's right. Like- Right. Yeah, so that that was uh, so I had a studio before, mm-hmm. but the studio was really just for me as I was kind of teaching and educating our clients and doing a lot of calls. But I started having certain people. This is pre 2020 be like, can I come use your studio that I'm putting in quotes? And Mm -hmm. I'm like, sure. And so I, whatever they paid me, I would just buy another piece of gear. So Mm -hmm. they'd come in and buy another camera or another light or something, a thing. And so I just kept doing that. And it was like, oh, that's cool. I should say yes to more of that because then I can get the geeky toys that I want and I don't have to expense it out, right? It's uh, I'm a business genius. So, um, So I did that for a bit and 2020 happened. Software team's home. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. I can still come into the building. In fact, this will be a great time to do some of those upgrades. So myself Mm -hmm. and my 19-year-old son, I'm like, I want to teach you how to be an electrician. And then we just went to work and started building. And then somewhere through there, I realized they're never coming back. And around August, the software team, because they're living their best life working from right. home. And in August, we started kind of connecting the last cable uh, together. And um, I, I kind of went all in. I guess I skipped okay. that. But I, w- I decided to go all in on the studio yeah. stuff because okay. I'm like, people are going to need video because they can't meet in person. Right. And that was really a catalyst of just taking a big financial uh, jump. So... 2008, when the economy was doing some bad stuff, I kind of did that first jump after all the RNC stuff. And then this was the second time. And it's like, you know what? It's kind of paid off in the midst of when everything's kind of declining to jump in real hard and double down. So I did that. And um, yeah, it's it's awesome. And it's terrible. We've been incredibly successful. The studio has grown tremendously. I think we filmed almost every day the month of October. Uh, If we weren't filming, it's because we needed that day as a break to be (laughs) able to set up for the next day. Yeah, so we've just finished filming today, and I'm upstairs in our loft here. And um, So, yeah, so business has been great. Uh, One funny thing that may kick off some of the conversation is, but I have this software company, right? And so I tell the software team, hey, guys, next two weeks, I'm booked. I don't know why. I guess people saw my Instagram story. Like, I don't even know how people know this thing exists because I haven't told anybody yet, Mm. but I'm booked for two weeks solid. That's weird. Hey, right after that, I'll be right back. And so, um, and then at the end of two weeks, I'm like, Hey, I'll tell you what, give me like five more days. I'm going to go ahead and just kind of wrap up some problems. I just, you know, figured out and then I'll be back. 
And then about the end of that week, hey, by the way, the next two weeks got booked. That's weird. But there's not another thing booked until, you know, ever. You know, that's it. And I can the can and then <laughs> right. I did that for six months before I realized I accidentally created a new company. Um, I should hire people. because oh, uh, it kept feeling like I have no marketing system. I have no systems in place to do customer acquisition. What in the world's happening? Surely this will stop any minute. And it's just continued to grow and grow. And every time I add new staff, it just keeps growing more. So it's been a very fascinating and mm. interesting journey um, for sure. So I'll kind of stop there, but that's the brief history of time. Yeah. That, I mean, that's great. So I'd love to go back a little bit. So you said that you, you worked for the, the RNC and then you left. So then that next thing that you did, was that your own thing then? And no, that- I, I went to work for a nonprofit that I'm going to keep vague, but uh, that nonprofit, uh, its focus was to make money with technology and then give it away, give away the money. And anyway, it just became clear, like, mm, I think I can give away more money doing my own thing. Yeah. So what was the conversation like, or the, the thought, because I think a lot of people get security from a job and um, you know, ha- having somebody above them to make decisions and bear the financial burdens and all these other kind of things. What was it in your mind or where did you get that confidence to say, I'm going to jump out and do my own thing? Did you have support from your family? Like, was your wife working and, and said, okay, you go do this thing and and I'll hold down the fort while you try to get something built? Or how did that transition? Yeah. I would say... Uh if you don't feel this in every fiber of your being, uh, don't do it. It's not Mm. for the faint of heart. And Mm -hmm. it's not because I'm better in some way. I just have an unwavering optimism that somehow believes tomorrow I can fix it (laughs) and just make it all work. Um, so, uh, So I would say two things. One, it took me a while to know my identity. So Mm. I am highly technical and I'm also very aesthetic. So that kind of puts me in a unique category. Mm -hmm. I'm not special, but it's just, there's not a lot of people that are both highly aesthetic and also very technically minded. That's just, well, yeah, you're right. You have the the technical people who can do the thing, make it really solid, but it's ugly. And then you have the creative people who can make it really beautiful, but then there's no system or process behind it and it, you know, sucks. So yeah, yeah, when you are able to do both those things. Yeah. Maybe I just do both of those medium or something, but that's, I, I can, I, I'm fluent in both of those Mm -hmm. worlds. And And so um, I didn't understand how unique that was until I was well into my 30s. So Mm. it took a while for me to understand that that was kind of a thing for me. And so form and function, imagine these two circles and the Venn diagram that happens as they kind of overlap in the middle. That's kind of the spot that I'm trying to be in. So um, it took me a while to identify that. And that was kind of step one of leaving the safety of the TVA, Tennessee Valley Authority, where I was working. And and what I think is interesting there is what I had done is I'd listened and learned a lot of business and self-help and all that. And I, I had my board of directors. <laughs> they didn't really know they were my board of directors, but I had my team of advisors, you know, that I was at, reaching out to 20 years ago and talking to them and getting their uh, advice. But what I didn't understand is I picked all the same personality because it was an engineer who 
really values safety, security, systems, process, the end, and not innovation, right? So that's a long way of saying it took me a while to identify who I was and where I felt life. And I realized, oh, I don't actually feel more life in the security uh, ideas. I find more life in the innovation ideas. So that was step one. Step two is it was the, to answer your question about like, well, how about family and all of that? Not on board. So, um, uh, it was kind of a sudden change and it's kind of a longer story, but the short answer of this story, again, trying to keep this part a little abstracted is the, the organization I was working for, the man was very wealthy and I, <laughs> I was feeling the like, ah, I need to kind of do this on my own. In fact, the first guy I want to hire is your son. And he currently works for me in this entity, but I want to bring him out into my, my thing, but here's why it's a good idea. And he listens for a little bit and then he just says, well, I'll just buy your company. And that was a unexpected kind of plot twist. And I wasn't expecting that. And I'm like, oh, uh, that's not my angle. And that's not what I was thinking. I want to go do this myself. And he was very wealthy. And he's just like, yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll just buy your company. Work with this guy. You'll get the details. And they made me an offer. And it was for a whole lot of money. And I told him no. And it kicked off a really uh, uh, tumultuous time. Uh, Mm. The guy's son ended up leaving and coming to work with me. So that can kind of give you a sense of the challenge there. Uh, They came back and made a mega offer, um, multiple millions of dollars. And at that point, I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm I'm out. I just want to kind of go do it. Okay, so this is interesting (laughs) because I feel like, you know, this idea a lot of times as an entrepreneur where it's – the, you know, the book built to sell, right? Like, okay, let me make something that I can systematize and process, you know, uh, you know, process, uh, and then sell it and then move on to the next thing. So you must've had a very deep conviction or like a intuition of like, I I really want to be my own thing. mm. Or I'm an idiot. Like, let's not <laughs> let's not remove that as an option from the table. I was just so dumb. I just, you know. <laughs> that's not, there's a lot of ways it could go, right? Uh, I think it's like this. To me, alignment is everything. And when I'm in good alignment uh, with the right people, it's mm. obvious. It's intuitive. Mm-hmm. It's clear. But when I'm around the people that think I'm too much and I'm, or whatever, too little or whatever. I'm not, I'm not what they're expecting. Right. I'm just in the wrong environment. And so for me, it was like, uh, I don't, I just don't, there's no trust here. Everything's low. Sure. You have tons of money, but you also have literally an entire team of lawyers that work for you. I don't know what's going to happen. I just don't want to participate in this. It doesn't feel right. Right. So for me, it was one of those situations where, it just didn't feel good. It's yeah, probably yeah. The, the simple way I could say it. So, but that doesn't mean it's clean. Like right. that's not, and maybe that's not even more virtuous because it came at a very real cost. So the cost is my wife is like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah. what do you mean? I'm like, I don't think I have a job anymore. Like I think yeah. maybe I just got fired or I told him no. So I don't know what the other outcomes could um, be here. So that was really hard. So suddenly, and this is 2009 ish. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's kind of eh, fuzzy. I'm bad with yeah. timelines, but there's still, the economy's not amazing right. right now when this is happening. And I'm like, no babe, like, trust me, it's going to be great. And then the guy who's working for me, the one guy, the son of the guy, yeah. he's coming to my house and now he's working in my home. And that's when I discovered as an IT person working really hard or 
scrolling on Facebook looks exactly the same from the other person's point of view because you're just staring at your computer, you know? And so it was so, uh, and when you're working from home, it became clear to me like, oh, I have to be very clear. Like I'm kind of done. I'm just wrapping some stuff up, but I'm Mm -hmm. totally interruptible versus I'm so deep in the middle of an intense problem and I can't focus. So those were a lot of lessons that I think a lot of us have learned during COVID. But before that, I was learning that then And, um, what I would say is to those people that are like listening to this going like, Oh, I'm ready to go start my own thing. My answer is kind of like, don't like, like, (laughs) like if I can say don't, and that convinces you not to, then you definitely shouldn't do it. And it's not because I'm trying to like, I watched uh, somebody talking about this recently in this reel and I watched some of the, read some of the comments and they were like, yeah, that's what every, oh, is the president of NVIDIA. And they were like, hey, rewind 20 years. You're sitting at the table, writing on a napkin, coming up with the idea. What would you do differently? And he's like, I wouldn't do it. And they're like, huh, yeah, whatever. And they're like, no, he's like, seriously, I wouldn't do it. It's too much stress. It's too Mm -hmm. much uncertainty. Like if you can go a different path, you should do that. So I think Mm -hmm. it's not that this path is more noble. That's yeah. not it. It's not that this path is better or anything. It's just, it's insanely hard. Mm-hmm. And if you're not already ridiculously resilient, there's too many barriers that are in the way that are going to try to get your attention otherwise. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I think too, I always tell people you have to have a high tolerance for pain. You know, I mean, there, there was times throughout, you know, Brand Viva started about about eight years ago. And, you know, there was times where I, you know, be looking in the mirror like and everything's going wrong. And I'm like, what well, what am I like the odds of this many things going wrong? Like, what am I supposed to learn from this situation? You know, it's like there has to be some deeper meaning because this is just doesn't make sense, you know? And uh, I think what I found over the years, right, that has kept me going is just there's this element of and I think it comes down to this optimism, like this relentless optimism of, uh, you know, I always had this mantra of, you know, be present, don't worry about tomorrow and expect the blessing, you know, mm-hmm. because there were so many times throughout my journey where, you know, I'd, I'd be stressed of like, okay, I'm going to pay my mortgage. I got three kids and, you know, a wife yeah. and you know, all this responsibility and no work's coming in and I'd have anxiety and I'd be stressed and, you know, so worried. And then two weeks later, someone would call and be like, man, we have $7,000 for this project. Can you do it? And I'd be like, yeah. oh yeah, I can. And, and then I started thinking like, if I started living my life with expectancy two weeks earlier, knowing in two weeks, someone would call me, I, I'd be a lot more peaceful and more present with my mm-hmm. family. And so then mm-hmm. I just started to try to live in this identity of, you know, being present and expecting things to work out. And uh, it's, it's served me well over the years and um, has helped a lot. But I, I've seen so many guys come and go throughout the industry in the past decade uh, because it's, it's, it's hard. It's not easy. And I don't think everybody's necessarily built for it. Um, but in the same way, I do feel like if you can figure it out, the rewards are tremendous. You know, the autonomy, the freedom. And I think the sense of fulfillment, you know, can be really great. Sure. I, I think for me, Mark, I just realized I'm not very employable. Like mm. I just kind of, I don't know if I'm a great employee because I like to assess things and go, does this make sense? And if mm-hmm. yes, then like continue for it. If no, then let's stop it or let's completely blow it apart and rebuild it. Let's, mm-hmm. let's, uh, let's, 
I don't like this customer. Why are we still working with them? They're totally not in alignment with us. Yeah. You, you don't want to deal with the bureaucracy and right. red tape of stuff. It's like, I just want to do things. <laughs> yeah. So I love super small, agile uh, mm-hmm. teams. I love that being able to do that. So, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I would also say that when it comes to the this entrepreneurship, I've watched in my lifetime, I've watched like kind of entrepreneurship spike in popularity. And it's almost like, here's the answer you've been looking for, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, which to me, when I was starting to push down this, it didn't feel like that at all. It felt like, well, I I have to, I have a compulsion from God that I have to do this. Like that's the Mm -hmm. level I would, a a, a literal calling uh, that I feel. It's, it's like, I can't describe uh, this and somehow I've got to bring my family along. I've got to convince them it's going to be okay. And I don't think I did a great job of that. So, so a lesson learned that I'd like to share is for those I've been married for 30 years now. Congratulations. In the midst of that, <laughs> thanks. In the midst of that, it's like, man, that was one of the hardest periods of my marriage. And had I had someone alongside me to tell me what I'm about to tell you, I should have had that and I should have mm-hmm. done that. And that simply. Uh, however big your passion is for your work, don't let it trump your family, you know? Mm -hmm. And I knew that, and I've always been a family first kind of guy. Mm -hmm. However, in that season, it felt so overwhelmingly important to fix it and Mm -hmm. to build it and to acquire the things I needed, customers and employees and all all of that. It felt so critical. Like, yeah, but the timing matters so much. Mm -hmm. And and it did. It sure did matter. So I don't want to diminish that. (laughs) It's kind of, uh, I will equate it to you're driving down the interstate and the timing of when I tell you to take the exit is critical, right? Right. So if you pass the exit and then I tell you to take the exit, that's not a good time, right? Right. So in one second before probably also isn't the best time, right? (laughs) And so it's like, how do I anticipate that better and create a better pace? Uh, And I think there's, the reality is there'll always be times where it's just an overwhelming load, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's just the nature of life. Um, uh, And so there we have these seasons, but if those are are they're continuous, then that's like a status indicator that you have uh, some ingredients in your recipe of your life out of sync. You've got too much salt or not enough salt, right? Mm. And so my advice in this scenario is if you're kind of jumping in the pool uh, and now you're ready to start swimming, don't forget to to include the people that are most important to you in that process mm. and then give them what their hearts are needing that you have to be a good steward of their hearts in the process of that. So what I'm not saying is have this balanced life. Uh, Cause I think that has a bunch of connotations to it that are super unclear for people like, Oh, I should be more balanced. And then what that means is whatever that means to you, which is something totally different than to me. Right. And so instead what I would just say is what you need to do is to live a life where you're taking the hearts of those closest to you into consideration as you're making all the decisions that you're making. And maybe that feels more overwhelming, but to me, it gives me more clarity because I thought balanced meant just don't work as many hours, which at times that's exactly what that means. But at other times that has nothing to do with 
my attitude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could be working less hours, but now I'm sulking or right. my brain is living in my business and I'm with my wife and kids, mm-hmm. but all I can think about is business land and I'm in business landia and I'm walking down in that world, but I'm actually physically with my family. Well, technically that may from the outside look balanced, but it's actually super unbalanced because yeah. I'm not being present. Right. Right. Yeah, and and yeah, I I think that's the thing that I've learned over the years is like trying to exercise and practice that presence, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's really what what it is, right? Like when I'm at work with my team, it's like, all right, I'm here, I'm I'm present, you know. And then when I'm at home with my family, and it's not always easy, but it's like, yeah, being present in the in the moment. And then when you get that email of a client's leaving or you lost a project or something like that, and you feel sick to your stomach, you're like, dang it. It's like, okay, how, how do I live above this right now and be mm. present in this moment? So um, I love what you were saying about alignment. Uh, I think that's a big thing that that I've been kind of, I think, going through currently. Mm. Um, mm. A lot of times you you want to take work because it's like, all right, we, we got payroll and we have, you know, expenses and all these things. And so we just need work. But I feel like there's sometimes when I, f- I get that gut feeling of like, man, you know, I don't enjoy this client or this work, but man, we just have to do it. And and I think that sometimes the power of just saying no and and sticking with your gut and and making sure that whatever you're doing fills that bucket of an alignment is is really important. And it seems to me that every time something doesn't work out or the alignment, you make that call, another opportunity maybe presents itself that feels more right. Yeah. Um, well, right. I don't know that it's a magic formula, right? Mm-hmm. But what I would say is Chick-fil-A has the opportunity to sell hamburgers, right? A lot of people eat hamburgers. Uh, in fact, maybe in the United States, if you were like, what's American food, you may say hamburgers and pizza, you know? Right. But Chick-fil-A doesn't sell either of those things, right? Because they have a clear identity, a mm-hmm. clear, like, this is what we are, and we're absolutely not these other things. Mm-hmm. And so similarly, I think the problem is when you're doing a startup, like when I first started the studio, someone would be like, can I make whatever video here? And my answer was yes, like absolutely. (laughs) And uh, I had this one time this guy came in and like, uh, he's like doing essentially like a music video and like dancing is happening and all this stuff. And it was (laughs) like, there's a fog machine and there's all these things happening. It's like at that moment, I'm like, oh, actually this is not, we're not actually good at this, you know? (laughs) And it was just like, this isn't, we're we're good on the studio side of like mm-hmm. someone speaking and teaching or mm-hmm. talk show or podcast or something like this. We're really good at that. But, you know, getting these weird angles and all it was just like, oh, this is hilarious. We're not good at this. But sometimes you don't know that answer until you've done it, right? Yeah. So, I think it's almost like go into it with really low protections. <laughs> and then as it starts defining itself and as you start figuring out like, this is my market who I'm resonating with, that's when the test comes in um, of like, you know, cause now more recently I've had a like, Hey, I can't wait to do a music video there or something. <laughs> and cause we have all this virtual production stuff. We're doing right. the green screen, all this stuff and yeah. unreal engine and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, man, that's, that's not us. Yeah. It's just not us. I, I'd love to talk to you about it. Cause it sounds fun to just talk about it. And I'd yeah. love to, you know, like just hear about it, but we're just, we're not going to be good at that. And so I think, um, 
what what is interesting is I've actually found that once I do create that boundary, almost always I'm presented with another bigger opportunity that's in that boundary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of like I, I had a, this happen just uh, for something that's going to happen next week. And uh, in this case, it was really taking care of a client and kind of doing a, above and beyond. And mm-hmm. we should probably touch on customer experience here in a minute. But, yeah. but in that, I really made this kind of strategic decision to do a thing. And then literally that afternoon, I get a call to do the opposite of that thing. And I had to tell them no, right? Because I'd already kind of made this decision, but it's very lucrative. So I think what I would say about this is alignment is difficult to define, Mm -hmm. but it is much easier to refine once you're in motion. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning, trying to create tons of alignment things is probably a bad idea because you may know you may not know like, oh, I hate that or I love that or, oh, I had no idea people would pay me for all of this. So you don't want to be too specific about that as you start. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes at the very beginning, I'm always interested after I tell something of somebody of what I'm into to get their response of like, well, what do you think I just told you that we're doing and whatever. And then I, what I hear is what they're interested in out of what I said, right? Right. right. And so it's always like a little morph on that. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's super helpful to go like, oh, every single person I talk to keeps describing it this way, X plus one instead of just X. So I need to start kind of thinking about that. If everyone's kind of lumping me into that little spot, mm-hmm. is that I'm doing a bad job communicating or is there actual market opportunity here that I'm missing that I need to be paying attention to? Yeah. I want to I talk a little bit about, you, you mentioned earlier about finding your identity and I, and I think a lot of us are in search of trying to figure out who we are. I mean, I think it sure. took me until I was like 35 yep. to start to chip away at really understanding that. But what is there any thoughts or advice you can give on that topic of like finding your identity yeah. and, and discovering yeah. who you are? Well, I have a lot of 20-somethings that I interact with, and they're real focused on this right now, as they should be. And part of what I tell them is you have some time here. Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, you're not static. So kind of the first thing I want to say is you're going to morph and change as life goes, right? Not only physically, but mentally as well <laughs> and spiritually, emotionally. All these things are going to change as we go down this path. So I think Aristotle says, know thyself, right? So there is some kind of critical thing the Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he, right? So there's a lot of stuff around our identity and our thinking and our understanding that are really critical to unlocking things. I don't know how to answer it, except I'll tell you this. For a long time, I thought you're supposed to be all the things. And if I'm inadequate in an area, I should train harder to be better in that area. And I feel like later in life, the way I've modified that is not an excuse like, well, this is how I'm made, so I just suck at that, so figure it out, other people. Um, I think that's also yucky. So instead, it's being aware of my blind spots and of my inadequacies and then surrounding myself with guardrails, systems, people, staff, friends, accountability, whatever those things are to help refine me uh, around those. The last thing I'll say is 
if you can, be truly open to ask uh, friends, family, even um, associates that maybe know you a little more uh, cursory. I think you'll, if you can ask all of those, other people seem to be a lot better at identifying our, our strengths and our weaknesses than we are. We kind of feel like we've really hidden it well. And, and I, I realize you, I personally have realized that I haven't really hid all of that that well as, as I kind of get to know people and talk through them. So when it comes to identity for me, I'm a Christian. And so I find my identity in Christ uh, first and foremost, right? Mm-hmm. So that's my, that's my belief system. That's my faith. And that gives me this kind of foundational level that then lets me build on top of that. Cause it has some kind of core identity pieces to that. And then on top of that, I look at, and so because of that faith position that I have, that's informed things like I believe I'm created and not just mm-hmm. random, right? So that means, well, wait a minute, I think I have purpose. And so if I have purpose, then so that those those are giving me directional points that someone mm-hmm. listening to this may not may not subscribe to that. And I respect that belief system that you have, but it's important to understand what is that belief system because it is going to inform our identity at a very core level. And so what I would lastly say about that is my identity is defined best, right? As I take a moment to look at what are the parts of me that resonate? (laughs) What are the parts of me that I find excitement and flourishing in? And what are the parts of me that I feel dying in? And the the things that I'm feeling dying in doesn't necessarily mean I shouldn't do them, Mm -hmm. but they're indicators. These are all indicators of the status indicators of like, this is what I'm more interested in, less interested in. And then I think the the last thing I'll, I said the last thing, but one more thing I'll say then is other people will tend to tell you if you just listen carefully enough. Mm. Like people would tell me uh, growing up, like you smile too big. Like you have too many, te- <laughs> you show too many teeth when you smile. And later in life, people told me you have a great smile. Mm. I can hear your smile in your voice. And uh, well, wait a minute, what changed from, you know, well, uh, probably my smile was the same, but what changed is my understanding of that's part of my identity. And so mm-hmm. embracing the parts of my identity doesn't always mean that everyone loves it. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So, so the, the 16 year old me, uh, people always kind of picked on me for my smile, but the 40 something year old me, uh, people yeah. are thankful that I have a smile. Right. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. I, I, I resonate with that for sure. You know, when, uh, when I worked in the corporate world, people are always like, why are you so positive? Like you get in an elevator on a Monday and they're like, how are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm so good. They're like, well, it's Monday. I'm like, I know it's the beginning of the week. You know, it's endless possibilities. <laughs> so it's anything like, can happen. Yeah. It's anything can happen. You know, or it's like, it's cold outside. Yeah. I love wearing sweaters. <laughs> it's like, they make me look thinner, you know? So it's like, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've always just pushed through that, you know, just, it's almost like, uh, you're almost oblivious. It's like the person who's just like, all right, like I, I might be weird, but I'm just going to embrace it. <laughs> so mm. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about growth because obviously you started off with yourself. Does that person still work for you that came over back in the day? No. No? Okay. No. So you started off by yourself. Did you out of the gate figure of like, oh, let me hire some people for my weaknesses? Or were you kind of like spinning all the plates, doing all the things, managing clients, sending out emails, you know, getting the studio ready, setting up lights, maybe getting some contractors to run a camera or whatever? 
how, how do you start? Sure. Sequence of events is kind of like this. I, I was answering that from the software side. So on the software side, I'm not a developer. Right. I've been around IT people. I'm an IT guy. I'm a systems architect, DevOps kind of guy, not a front end or a back end developer. Mm-hmm. So I had no skills in that. So I had to hire that. Right. As I started hiring developers, one of the things they would constantly say, because I would keep thinking, because I'm a, I'm a doer. I'm very uh, humbly. I'm very good at like learning a bunch of information and yep. applying it. And so so I'm like, oh, I need to go be a developer. And every time I would kind of mention that to a developer, they would always be like, please don't. <laughs> You're so much more helpful to us not being a developer because mm. you ask these questions because you don't have that. Right. You have this systems mindset, but you don't have this specific knowledge and you always unlock us. And so I, I took that advice and I didn't know how freeing that would be because otherwise I would be an operator where I would just be in it mm-hmm. doing it. Okay, so fast forward to the studio. Uh, studios happening and I'm, I have one other guy that's with me. Um, but COVID had a lot of challenges having him there. His father ended up passing away that year. He ended up in the hospital. Like a lot of things happened with him. He's totally great now and better. Um, and so he's with me still. Um, so everybody that's been started with me in the studio is still with me. We've just been adding on, but at the beginning, yes, we were doing all the things, but we weren't doing as many things as what we're doing now. Mm. Right. And I think that's just the nature of systems they and that can spiral out but um, growth can also require additional people and team and things like that so now uh, <laughs> now we're at seven people on the okay. studio and it's really funny because we were at five and I've recently hired two more and those two more people we were just at a big meeting earlier this week about it have truly disrupted so much of the systems we had and they've certainly exposed some real inadequacies we've had in our systems and so that was just enough of a tipping point Mm. where it's like oh no now you you or you could be editing this or Mm. setting Mm. this up and before what was more institutionally known even though it's a super young company because it was so essentially siloed inside a team that's a very highly functioning team, but because it felt siloed, uh, it kind of created this, or sorry, because it felt team, Mm -hmm. I didn't notice that it was actually siloed Mm -hmm. where everyone was actually kind of doing their own thing inside the bigger system. Mm -hmm. And that was fine until you added the possibility of a different person doing that thing. And that's been exposing some really fascinating, like, oh, that's broken. And I've never had to think about that because that thing always worked because we solved that four years ago, whatever. So that's been an interesting um, discovery that we've had right now that we're working through for sure. So when you were hiring people, how, how did that work? I mean, did you did you have to take out loans at all, or did you have like a, a massive nest egg, or did did like as you got more and more income, was it like all right, let's add more people? Like, what was the process of that? I mean, because what I feel like yeah. having W two employees is it's kind of risky, right? I in some ways, and they cost a lot in in some sure. ways because you want everyone to be productive 40 hours a week because with a contractor, you just pay him for the several hours he's doing something, then you don't have to pay for him again, you know? But then yeah. people who are there on payroll, you you hope that they're just being productive and, and whatnot. And so every yeah. time you hire somebody, it's like this new this new thing of like, all right, I have to have more income in order to hire this person, but sometimes I need to hire this person so I can go out and get more income. Yeah. 
I don't think I look at it at all like any of that. Hmm. So that probably means I'm a bad entrepreneur, but I'll just tell you how I'm looking at it. <laughs> no, I'm and, curious uh, because I don't feel like yeah. I solved anything. And yeah. I'm, I'm always struggling with these kind of things in my mind, you know? Sure. So. I'd love to hear your different perspective. Sure. Well, okay. Breaking that down. So uh, just to quickly describe, what are we? So socially use this virtual production studio. We have people coming in from literally all over the world. They come into the studio. We live edit them and record them in real time. And when they leave, for the most part, within the next 24 hours, all their videos are finished, edited, done. It's all in 4K. And we have eight cameras and all this stuff. Okay. So that's, that's, that's what we're talking about, this studio. Um, okay. So when it comes to hiring for this, uh, <laughs> um, I look at it really differently. So I have seen, it would make the most sense to have contractors. So it's like today I'm filming today. I have contractors, the contractors come, they do the tasks that I need them to do and they leave. Okay. So I looked at that. However, what I saw was in the creative space, the contractors are like little piranhas always trying to, so they're, they've got that mindset of I've got to land the next gig. Mm -hmm. So they're all the time kind of posturing. They're kind of making it seem like it's them doing the thing, even though all they were really doing was the smaller task in it. Right. They're always trying to over exaggerate their yeah. abilities, their worth, <laughs> their everything. Look at my portfolio everything. of all this person's company that I just did this thing. It's like, look what I did. It's like, yeah, it's I like it. all you did was you were the tripod guy. <laughs> um, so anyway, so I'm like, well, that kind of sucks. I hate that. Mm. And then I watched some friends of mine who have a system that's built on that model of high contractor. I watched there just be back to that word alignment. Maybe that's the key word for this episode. Yeah. Um, I watched the uh, contractors not be in alignment with them. So it's kind of like, yeah, they're doing it. They're doing excellence in their craft, but then they're off to the next thing. They don't care. They're just getting this They're They care in the sense that they're doing excellence. So I don't mm. want to demean them, Yeah, but they're not, they're not thinking about how to make the company succeed, mm. right? They're just kind of doing their part in that to make it succeed. They're being professional yeah. and being excellent, but that's where it ends. Mm -hmm. So if they were like a camera guy, they're being an excellent camera guy or camera lady that's doing their thing. But then after that, they're not thinking about it anymore. They're moving on to the next thing. And so what I watch happen in a lot of creative worlds is they'll do a lot of contractor stuff and they'll suck them up and they'll burn them out and then they'll move on. Mm. And so I'm like, oh, hmm, I don't like that at all. Like, I don't like any of the part of that. Yeah. Instead, what I'm looking for is a team and I want this team to be with me and I want us to grow it all together and I want them to feel ownership in it. And I want to help them super succeed together. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it. I don't want it to be the Andre show. I want it to be the socially you show. I want all of us to succeed. It's not about me. It's about us as a mm -hmm. team working together and accomplishing something we couldn't do on our own. So for me, when I'm looking at employees in hiring, I'm looking at does my need out outstrip me from my abilities you know like is it is it more than what i'm capable of with my current thing and what i keep feeling when i hire somebody new is relief right it's like ah, oh, tension's being relieved mm. and so for me the money kind of can come in a lot of different ways and i think i'm not very money driven mm. so 
I'm like I said, I'm probably a bad entrepreneur. <laughs> Instead, I'm more like, um, and I'm a high T on a Myers Briggs, so I'm not really a feeling driven person. Okay. But I'm I'm very feeling driven around. I'm very intuition feeling around. Oh, I see where things are getting stuck. People are having to work late. I'm I'm trying to build a sustainable thing, mm-hmm. not something that spikes and then falls apart. And I think right. that's kind of back to what you were saying, Mark. If you've watched over the last decade, a lot of people kind of come in, do their thing, and then it just disintegrates. Mm-hmm. And it's like, where did that thing go? It's like, well, they ran out money and did the thing. Obviously, I've got to be a good steward of my money. Mm-hmm. I can't just be burning money. So instead, uh, but I can be flexible on my money to some degree, right? So I don't I don't know, man. I, there's like, you know, I know there's books like Profit First and, and mm-hmm. all these things. I get it. I totally get it. But for me, the way I think is build the team, build the systems, be excellent, then announce in scale. And so that's kind of, most people announce hype, go and grab a bunch of uh, investment, promise the moon, and then get stressed out trying to achieve it. And it's a 50, 50, like they're either going to home run or they're going to strike out. I don't know. I'm bad with sports analogies, but they're, they're, yeah. they're not really going to do the middle. And so for me, I realized that's, I'm not interested in that. What I'm interested in is telling somebody, Hey, you need a studio. You're uh, doing a, a online, you're doing a class, you're doing a live event, you're doing a YouTube channel and teaching timeless content and you need to record a bunch of content. I definitely have the solution that's best in class for that. And I can't wait to help you. And I wanted to be able to say that with no strings attached, with no caveats or anything. And so that's what I've been pushing to. And uh, so that's, <laughs> I'm answering your questions in long answers. No, I the love answer it. To we your question, have a time yeah. on the show, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, the answer to your question, how do I hire and worry about that? I think, I think first about does this person connect well with me mm-hmm. and will they connect well with the team? Mm-hmm. Does the team like them? Are we in agreement that this person is added to our culture and we're Mm -hmm. going to elevate our culture Mm -hmm. and we're going to enjoy being that? And what I can tell you is by taking that approach, our refrigerator is covered in the studio with notes covered Mm -hmm. of people writing us notes. They paid us money to come to our studio and then they took the time to handwrite a note and mail it to us. Have you ever handwritten a note and mailed it to somebody you paid money? Not the other way around. (laughs) No. No. So something is happening there that Mm -hmm. is transformational. And now what's hilarious is when our people come in, we'll record a testimonial uh, a lot of times at the end of the day, if time allows, like, hey, just tell us about your experience. And they don't say, wow, they're using the same technology that they use to make the Mandalorian and they're using the most up-to-date, their key looks so incredible. They don't really talk about all that. All they say is the team, they feel so loved. Mm. They've never been, they've never been in such a positive, exciting environment. That's what they're talking about. Yeah. And so for me, I've boiled it down to two key principles that as a company, what am I trying to do? These are the two things. One, be excellent Two, love people. Mm-hmm. So be excellent and love people. These are the two overarching guiding vision principles of what I'm trying to set out to do. So I want to be excellent in my craft and I want to figure out how can I love people 
in a way so that when they come here, they don't leave the same. They, they have experienced a different attraction, a different way of just being seen and known. Um, and so, yeah, we've spent a lot of time around that customer experience part of it. For yeah. Sure. I, I, and I love that. Um, because, and, and I've watched some of your, your breakdowns of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, your recordings and I noticed that, and this is something that I should tell my team, you know, cause I, I actually, I was in a Christian rock band all my twenties and I, you know, was signed and I traveled and, and did all that. And, you know, we'd preach the gospel on, on the weekends, you know, mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. And then when the band broke up and I wasn't doing that, there was this conflict of like, how, how do I get the good news out there? You know, like what, what's, what's my vehicle? And, and I got a job and I just started loving people like where they were at, you know, and trying to figure out like, you know, how can I make a positive impact in in their lives? And then as, you know, the years have gone by, I've found so much purpose in just being a positive light into someone's life. And, and I tell my team too, it's like, our goal is to, we want to surprise and delight. We want to leave people better than we found them. And we want to enrich their lives, you know? And I think if we do those things, people are going to feel different and they're going to leave changed from interacting with us, you know, and that's going to make a big impact. And we may not see how that works out, but there's been so many times where, you know, I've shared with somebody my expect, you know, the blessing and, you know, a year goes by and I'm at a conference with them. They're like, you know, that really stuck with me. Thanks for sharing that with me, you know? And so Mm. I think that we can find purpose in our work when we're just loving other people, you know? And, um, and so what I've noticed is that you really like focus in on that. And it's, it's funny because for me, I turn on music and I light a candle and I think about, okay, this person was born probably like, you know, in the seventies. So they probably really love like mid eighties to late eighties music. So I'm like, Hey Siri, play a mid eighties playlist, you know? And so like when they come to the studio, they feel a sense of like, comfort or cozy. Like when you go to a yeah. restaurant and the, the ambiance is perfect and you just feel like kind of stress relieved when you get in there, I yeah. want to kind of give that same experience, you know? And so I noticed that you guys do that with everything, um, from start to finish of having somebody greet them and walk them through your studio and, and having the right kind of snacks and all this other kind of stuff. And so, um, how is that, shaped your, your culture and has, was there ever any pushback or like, why are we doing all this? Or, you know, this <laughs> takes too much time or, you know, mm. it doesn't make sense. Cause I feel like a lot of times people don't have that innate, um, I don't know how to say it, like entertaining ability. You know, my wife and I really pride ourselves on hospitality. Hospitality. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes we'll go somewhere and we're like, these people knew we were coming and like, like there's no appetizers out and there's no, you know, like drinks being offered. I'm like, come on. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. We, um, okay. Well, huh. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there, but what I, what I would say is this, um, uh, I had a chance, I was speaking at an event and it was at the Ritz Carlton. Mm-hmm. We go to the Ritz Carlton and, um, uh, my, son was turning one and that that day he was one and so i had brought my wife and my son with me to this event we're sitting at a big banquet room uh it's like a fundraising event thing that we're doing and so one of the workers overhears my wife say oh yeah the, your baby's so cute thanks today's turning one today's birthday oh that's fun uh a worker 
uh, who's serving drinks or whatever hears that. We don't know. The next thing that happens is uh, they come out singing Happy Birthday, Maxwell, and they've got uh, his name. They know his name, and they know it's his birthday, and they've got this little birthday cake. And it's like, that is so cool. And it's written in chocolate on the thing. It's like, that's so awesome. We get back to our room. We we already felt like 10 out of 10. Like, that is so cool. Um, We get back to our room. There's a present on the bed, and it's wrapped in Ritz-Carlton paper, and it's addressed to Max. And, And we look at that we're like what and then over on the the table is like a we were in laguna beach and so it was like a cookies thing that had like cookie crumbs is like sand and this whole like dessert thing that's there like that is awesome it's a little bunny and a book about a bunny um we leave and our, a lot of our friends are still there we had to leave out a little early and we forgot the bunny and so we call ritz carlson's front desk and we're like hey uh my wife's calling him while we're going to the airport oh we just forgot the but like we just left like i don't know 20 minutes ago and uh, the guy's like my name's so and so and i'm gonna go to the room right now and i'll find your bunny you know so he he calls her back and he's like mrs dantzler i'm so sorry um i couldn't find the bunny i looked everywhere uh could you describe the bunny to me and she's like, it's totally no big deal. Like, it's not a thing. It was just so sweet. Y'all did that. We were going to give it to our friends. We'll see him in a month. No, no, no. Just, you know, so she describes it. Next morning, 10 a.m., FedEx is knocking on my door with a package from Ritz-Carlton. And and it has a handwritten note from the guy. And he's like, hey, um, I couldn't find the bunny. I hope you like this one. I really thought he was cute and whatever. And, you know, and kind of this blessing on Max. Like, I just want Max to, you know, be encouraged and have a great life. And, you know, just very nice things to say. Mm. And that really... I've already had some other customer experiences, but something about the sequence of that and the level of care of that kicked me off on a journey of like, whoa, 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 what in the world made this guy think that was what he should do? When we were already saying like, oh, pff, totally fine. Just yeah. in case you saw the bunny, thought we could give it to our friends, we'd get it. Right. And so that really turned me on to Horst Schulze and all of his principles around this. And so if you haven't checked him out, uh, you yeah. should because he's he's amazing. Um, but all that to say that it's not intuitive to everybody. In fact, on my team, it's not intuitive to everybody. And there are times that are questions around that. However, they're immediately thwarted when I, I literally just uh, voice uh, captured all the testimonials we've had in our videos. It's over 17 pages of things people have said about us. And I've shown the team like, look, these are just things people, when we said, what was your experience like? And all of them mm-hmm. talk about this, right? So I think the team has seen like, oh, wow, what we're doing is truly impacting people. However, what's fascinating is earlier this week, we had some big meetings this week. Earlier this week, uh, we finally had a first day where we just had a day we could meet. (laughs) Earlier this week, we're talking and we're talking through customer service and talking about the customer experience. And I'm talking about how do we make it even more, Mm. right? And they're over here going, what? (laughs) Why would you? Everybody. It's already extra. How do we make it more? Right. A (laughs) hundred percent of the people are like, that's amazing. Why are we? Why? Why are you trying to push it farther? You're done here. So that was fascinating to kind of hear that and think about that and process that and like look in my heart is like, yeah, am I trying to like do something here? And I don't think I am. I think I've just seen Horst talks about it doesn't cost any more to care. And so I think it's about creating a culture 
that if you feel cared for and known when you're there, you're going to be better. You're going to mm-hmm. be better on camera. You're going to want to come back to that place. Mm-hmm. If you come to a place where you're celebrated, loved, cared for, known, you just want to be around that. And so I'm doing it from a heart perspective, mm-hmm. but it is a very attractional business reason to do that. Right. Cause yeah. it's, um, but last thing about this, it's very quick, but it's just so funny. So one of our clients, she comes in and she's like the project manager. And then we were filming a lot of other experts that she's kind of coordinating. So she's been hanging out with us a lot. And these experts are kind of coming and going uh, for the day uh, of filming. She may book like a week at a time. And so uh, at one of those days, we kind of had this like empty day where it was a setup day. And I just asked her like, hey, what's your favorite music? You know, and whatever in front of her. And I build the play list in front of her like as we're talking and I'm like who else oh do you like this song like she's I'm not hiding it 15 minutes go by we do something else and then I start playing her song she walks in and she's like do you love so and so you know whatever her musical artist was that she loved and I'm like yeah Uh, you know and I'm looking at her like you were here right when I was building the thing and and then she kind of moved on because she was busy doing something else and then she like another song plays a little bit later and she pops her head back and she's like, I love this song. I'm like, Audrey, I literally built this playlist while you're sitting in front of me. But all of that to say, even in that scenario, it felt so good to be seen and heard and just to take the time to like, I am listening to you. I'm hearing what you need. And then I'm doing my best to deliver that to you is uncommon. Mm. And it's like, what effort does that take to do? Right. So, yeah. So I think that's a long way of saying care is not costly and it reaps huge dividends. Oh, last, this is another very quick story. I hired uh, a a technical, you know, we were doing the filming stuff. We had a couple of people on the team. The next person I hired though is Emma, the director of customer experience. And I'm like, why did I do that? This is super technical. I need another studio nerd to do studio nerd things for the studio. Why did I just do that? And we had a meeting with a very big industrial client that had come in. And I had this, Emma had this charcuterie board with, you know, charcuterie things on it. It looked beautiful. And it was super on this awesome piece of walnut on it just looked beautiful and great drinks and snacks are sitting there and we're drinking it and eating it as we're talking and somewhere through there i'm like hey why are you not just using that other way more sophisticated studio than us at the time and he said he's like well you know I had to, I was really thirsty and I needed a drink of water and I couldn't find any water. Meanwhile, there's this huge spread of food and everything in front of us. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. As I drink the fruit infused water and I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. And he's like, so the guy finally just found, I'm like, how do I get water? And he grabbed a glass and he went in the bathroom and just filled it up with water and handed it to me. And I was like, oh, you know, and internally I'm like, Andre, you made a great decision by hiring Emma next instead of a more technical person. Right. Oh yeah. That's so important. You know, it's funny. Um, whenever I take my kids on to run errands when they were littler, you know, I'd always address people by, by their names, you know, on their name tag. And my kids, they always thought I just knew everybody everywhere I went. They're like, how did you know that person? I was like, dude, they have a, they have a name badge. And if you just, see somebody and notice them and make them feel like acknowledged that that can make a big difference in someone's day, you know, huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're so 
we've never been so connected and we've never felt so lonely. So we've mm-hmm. never been so connected on right. these devices where you and I can find each other. You can watch my YouTube videos and I can watch your stuff and we can connect and all these different things that we can, we can text each other and whatever, but still we can be empty. Mm-hmm. And so what, what I'm feeling is just an overwhelming response to what I would consider, obviously, since I'm trying to even up the game, mm-hmm. a very basic level of we're just listening well and caring well for people. Uh, it's very transformational. And as soon as we started putting that into place, all the testimonial conversations went from, I look so pretty, uh, the, the quality of the cameras, whatever, all that stuff. And then it changed to, I've never felt so loved. I've never felt so known, safe. I've never felt you know all these things. And it's like, look, I'm doing that for your heart, but it's in your best interest for me, for you to be great because you're going to look great on camera. Your countenance is going to be better. Your attitude's going to be better. Everything's going to be better if you feel better. If you feel stressed and if you feel like, oh man, they can't even get this thing working right, then you're worried now about us being able to pull this off for you. So it's like relieving the client, lifting off the burden, focusing in on their strengths, letting us kind of handle the rest. And once we do that and we're super caring and they can tell we actually care it's not like a gimmick we're actually caring then they can release and then they can express you know and so that's that's what we're trying to get into when it comes to this stuff oh man i love that andre this has been a great conversation i've thoroughly enjoyed myself and just connecting with you and just hearing about your journey and just seeing all the stuff you're doing at Socially Use, just really inspiring and something for me to look up to. So I, I appreciate you being out there and and uh, you know sharing with us. And so if people wanted to connect with you, uh, where is the best place to, to go? Yeah, so I mean, sociallyu.com is our website. I guess people still go to those. Um, <laughs> uh, on our Instagram, it's just socially in the letter U, socially U. You can see that there. Mine's just Andre J. Dantzler on Instagram. That's probably a great spot if you want to just keep up with my personal musings. But um, but the studio side is socially U. And, and uh, of course, we're on YouTube. And I'll just say one last thing about mm-hmm. that. On YouTube, we have this little show called The Debrief, and it is not well-produced. Like, it's not high production value. Uh, but instead, it's every day after we film, we sit down and we talk about what worked and mm-hmm. what didn't. Yeah. And, and just leaving you with this last principle that's very counterintuitive, we are giving away every single secret that we learn. I've told the team there's nothing off limits except there's one thing, which is don't talk bad about the client, mm-hmm. right? Because we don't want a client feeling like, oh man, they're going to talk yeah. about me, you know, doing a bad job. That's irrelevant to to what we're talking about. But if we if they were performing poorly and then we unlocked a way to make them perform better, we'll absolutely mention right. that, right? So, but other than that, we tell all the secrets, and so this is very counterintuitive of share everything Um, because it seems like, oh, you should collect all the secrets and hold all the secrets and that'll be your secret sauce. And what I've discovered is for us, unlocking that and saying, nope, this is frustrating that I can't find this, so I'm going to go make this. And even if it's just kind of low level of effort and I'm just trying to knock this out, I'm still at least sharing everything. And if you care, you can listen to it. It's kind of like this podcast. This is a long podcast. But if you want to listen to this stuff, we're going to tell you everything we can and give you the most value we can. 
uh, by doing that principle, uh, I think it has been revolutionary in the attraction we we have gained and the type of notoriety we've gained uh, has been because we've been willing to not hold back, but instead open up and share. And it hasn't made us get worse. It just keeps making us get better. Yeah. And we're bringing other people along with it. They feel that value and they feel that interest. So yeah, that's a long way to answer your question. Socially use name and company. You can find us on Instagram and YouTube. And I guess we're on Facebook too. Yeah. But probably Instagram and YouTube are kind of our primary channels. Totally. And I thank you so much for, for giving us the, all that, that knowledge. And, and, and again, like you said, it is very <laughs> rare in this industry because people think, oh, their little settings or their stuff is their secret sauce. And if other people know, then it won't make yeah. me special. But the thing that I've learned throughout the years is that that us as individuals is what makes us special. It's not how we can operate a camera or whatever, but it's the value that we bring as individuals to that client or to that experience that is really the secret sauce. So for me to help younger guys and mentor them and, and give them knowledge is like, well, listen, you could go do exactly what I do and try to take my clients, but you'll never be me. So I'm not worried. <laughs> Totally. Tonight, my secret sauce is one of the guys that works for me. It's his anniversary, and he accidentally told me where he's going for dinner, and I made sure Emma has our credit card on file over there, and when he has tonight and he tries to pay, he's not going to be able to because we've provided uh, a picture of him, and he's going to get... Uh, and I'm not saying that to brag. I'm no, just saying yeah. that's a, such a simple thing to let him know, hey, I love you, and I'm so proud of you, and I love working with you, and I want your marriage to succeed. Here's a little way that I'm showing you that that happens. It's so simple to do so go go share the love everybody share the love awesome well hey thanks so much for listening to the friday habit if you go to the fridayhabit.com uh you can find show notes there for this episode you can also find links to our websites and ways to get in touch and at the bottom of the page you can download our guide to the friday habit system that will show you how to set aside one full day each week dedicated to working on your business instead of in your business thanks so much for listening until next time live every day like it's friday <laughs> <laughs>